Hello, everybody. Welcome to Little Wars, the official, comfy, traditional games podcast, as described by our esteemed producer, Roscoe Jones, and in cooperation with Roscoe Jones, Exodus Americanus, Political Science Theater 40,000, and our good friends at Right Wing Entertainment Squads at WordPress.com. I am one of your esteemed co-hosts, Mongoose Kikimora, and with me today is my buddy over there, Jack. How you doing, Jack? Hey, Mongoose. I'm your buddy. Yes, you are, as Roscoe said. Um, so, uh, which, is, which is ironic, because Roscoe is the one who helped us uh, find each other on this great wide internet. Um, just a little bit of deep lore for you guys. Uh, if it weren't for Roscoe, this shit wouldn't exist. Well, this stuff, sorry. This is a this is a family friendly. Uh, it's family friendly. Well, we try to be this family is, friendly. This is a Christian server. This is a Mongoose. Christian server. You need to. You this need is to a Christian FLGS friendly local game score game store. So uh, yeah. So Jack, what have you been up to hobby wise this week, if anything at all? Uh, not much. I had a lot of um, I had a lot of real world things to take care of and uh and you know just generally speaking i did i did however play a game uh about a week or two ago my uh my good friend was getting deployed for about a year so so i think uh, the last time we were up you were talking about that was he what was he playing again oh man he was playing he was playing a uh, imperial guard parking lot tank army he had about eight lehman russes eight lemons uh on the field and a shadow sword well all right i didn't i was unaware that uh that warhammer 40k had degraded to the point where it was basically just team yankee in space but uh (laughs) oof (laughs) oof yeah well yeah and and i played i played against him with my uh thousand sun space wizards which is probably not the best army to play against tanks um i'd imagine not i mean no. do they have any wizard powers that kill tanks absolutely not <laughs> they have they they can they can shit out mortal wounds like like nothing so i guess i got that going but each each of the lemons had <clears throat> i don't even remember a fairly good number of wounds i didn't even bother with that i just went after objectives you know, as as we've discussed on our tactics, and I almost won. It was very, very close, despite the fact that he was shooting me off the board. I mean, we were discussing strategy, but like tactics, how do you do? What do you do if you come across something you can't kill? Is something you gotta kind of, you know? There's an entire separate theory I have on that, um, but that's because. You- yeah, you, I play, you hide you hide behind rocks. Kind of. I mean, there 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 are different ways to do it. Um, I mean, in Flames of War, it's it's like if you're playing in the mid war or the late war. Well, actually, at any point in the war, it's entirely within the domain of eminent reasonability that you're going to come across something, or there will be a point in a game where you physically cannot kill one of your opponent's units. Like you, there there it is. It is impossible for you to do. So you kind of got to figure out how you win a game when you when that happens, and it's 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 actually quite possible. Yeah, you just kind of you just kind of got to uh, think about what his weaknesses are calmly, you know, 
in your head and freak without, out without without freaking out oh, and no, you, uh, well. trying to charge the big fucking tanks. Well, I mean, think about it this way. Um, so in flames. In the late war, there's this thing called a King Tiger. For those of you who are not aware of your tank lore, the King Tiger is basically just a souped-up Tiger with the same engine and transmission. So it's really slow, really underpowered in terms of its engine. But in flames, the way the thing's statted, nothing can physically penetrate the front of this tank. Um, A few things can get like a, a glancing hit, as you would call it in 40k from previous editions. Um, but nothing will be able to make a penetrating hit. So you can't kill this thing through forward fire on the front end of it. So in order to get rid of something like this, you either have to flank it or you ignore it. And because a King Tiger costs like a fifth of your opponent's army cost, you can easily ignore it. And uh, as long as you just don't peek the sight lines it's looking down, because it's got like an AT-15 gun on it, which is more than, that's like three times almost the amount of uh, armor front on uh, most medium tanks in that period. So... As long as you don't peak sight lines, you're not gonna you're not gonna get like ganked by the thing. But even then, it's only gonna be killing like maybe one thing a turn at most. So you just kind of ignore it is how you deal with it in my uh, in my experience. Yeah, and and with, in the in the eventuality that you are staring down the barrel of eight Lehman Russes, all of which can fire twice in a in a turn. Uh, <laughs> you pretty much just gotta get objectives. Like, you know, I mean, I mean, unless it's kill everything on the map, which, I'm, you know, hopefully you're not playing a game like that. Hopefully you're doing something else. You just need to be quicker. And, uh, and once you get those objectives, hide behind rocks. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, it's really, it's about like, cause again, with flames of war, it's a game about pushing opponents off of objectives. So, I mean, with with uh, with those la- lists where the um, the opponent is is like shoving a, a ton of like he- really heavy German vehicles on his objectives, really all you got to do is just kind of like surround him and kind of take side shots until he until he leaves. Uh, that's that's how that's um that's just standard player protocol at this point for uh, that that eventuality um, because. Big cat lists aren't generally offensive because they don't have the a number of units to be, and uh, they always are lacking something. Whether it's like good artillery, a good infantry unit to like grab hold of an objective, so you can just kind of exploit that. Big cats are the the advantage of big cats is they they cause fear because they're big, scary looking tanks, and the, your opponent is scared of them. So uh, there's that advantage you have, but otherwise. They're uh, they're really not that. They're nothing to be afraid of. Well, right. So so what are what are the downsides of bringing one of those? Right, like like maneuverability. Right? Oh yeah, no, they're they're very they're not very maneuverable. They don't have a very high rate of fire, so they have a hard time dealing with like lots of armored cars, lots of tanks, um, and and shooting at infantry. Uh, they're they ha- they're horrifyingly bad at moving across terrain. So if you just learn how to... Uh, a lot of Flames of War is just learning how to use forests to your advantage because they're very common and they they impact movement and sight lines so much because in Flames of War you can't see through a forest because it's assumed to be thick. Um, so there, there's it just impacts the... Uh, you, you have to kind of learn how to use these forests for your advantage, how you place things within them within certain distances of uh, other things you might want to be seeing or not seeing and you're 
the how far you are away from your opponent of force determines if they can see you or not. So you got to be thinking about these things when you're placing your guys down, when you're moving them around. And that's really how you defeat, like, a if you're playing infantry, uh, how and how you do not make use of your forests as a player will make or break your game against a tank against a tank list. It will. Yeah, and I think I think even if you're playing any uh, tabletop game, whatever it is, uh, you know, e- even if it's just a basic line of sight thing, you can still use the terrain to your advantage. Uh, and sometimes the, sometimes the best, uh, you know, whatever, whatever kind of army you're playing, maybe if you're a Black Templars player, you always want to be charging at the enemy because that's the honorable thing. But generally speaking, you know, if, if you have a chance to completely avoid his big guns and make them useless for a turn, you know, take it because then, because then his big, his big costly guns are useless. Yeah. Um, this is, he, he, Jack is entirely on point on this. Uh, this is, uh, you, you do not want to be in his position where you're, uh, taking a lot of fire from big guns, which is an advantage. And also every time your opponent spent points on something, hoping it'd be very useful and it's not very useful. That's a waste of points for him. And we, we kind of covered that with the points economy is Mm. you want to be exploiting, uh, exploiting basically things in your opponent's list that you'd want to be making them useless, less useful. And you can do that by killing them or simply by denying them the, their chance to be useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tur- turning turning the big guns that your opponents are bringing into uh, you know into into relatively useless terrain uh, pieces. Terrain pieces. Yeah, that's that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Is usually a good strategy and you should and you should employ it. So uh so so Mongoose, you said you said you were playing a few Flames of War games. Yeah, um last, last week. week and uh this week actually yesterday uh, as of this time of recording. Um I uh I, I had gotten two Flames of War games. On the, last week I had gotten in a mid-war game with playing as German infantry, uh, SS specifically, against American infantry, played with by my, one of my buddies. And another buddy I hadn't seen in a while came by, and he had just got some German Fallschirmjägers for the late war, so I obliged him, took some American Shermans. And, uh, well, the first game I actually rolled really horribly. Uh, I couldn't unpin my artillery battery, which in Flames of War, you're, how you use your artillery against infantry makes and breaks you. If you can't use it, you basically lose. Because I couldn't do that, I basically lost. You were tr- I was trying to fight an offensive battle with infantry with no mobile assets, and I just had a generally miserable time, um, as you would expect. So that, that went about as well as you would think it would. Uh, the, other, the, other, um, the other thing I was doing, uh, so that, that, that one game went horribly. Uh, and that, that was just a lesson in list building on my end. Um, one of the things you want to keep in mind, especially the late war, people don't um, people don't think about this a whole lot, is that uh, honestly, pack forties mounted on infantry or the 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 normal gun teams are really overpriced. So you want to be looking at martyrs. So I'm gonna probably pick some of those up for buying pretty soon here. I should have I should have definitely run a platoon of tanks with those guys. If you're not running at least one platoon of medium tanks with your infantry in the late war, or in the mid war, you're probably running the list long. Is something I kind of learned the hard way. So uh, there's all that. Um, as of yesterday, I had a 
pretty good game against the Fallschirmjägers. Uh, it's worth noting he had taken pack 40s. He had some. He had four Brumbars, a, a Tiger, two platoons of uh, two pl- two full platoons of Fallschirmjäger, and a four 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 team unit of mortars. So it's a fairly standard kind of list. Um, so, so do you do you play that game where you set like shots of Jaeger next to units, and if they die, you have to take the shot? No, no, no. Fallschirm Jaeger oh. is a German paratrooper. Oh, okay. Like Fallschirm Jaegers, and like uh, Jaeger being a hunter or infantryman, Fallschirm meaning falling, I think, uh, or parachuting. That uh, that's what that is. So ah. these are German paratroopers. Unfortunately, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not in the position to drink right now, and I wasn't because we were playing in public. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's pro- probably a good idea. So you know, it's always fun playing World War II games in front of your local soy boys. They always kind of they they're always a little bit confused as to why anyone would want to play something that doesn't involve like. Uh, well, I, I, ideally, I'd want to say they're waifu, but the, these aren't like anime nerds, which is unfortunate because at least I can deal with like anime nerds. These are like the people that watch Critical Role, and when they play D and D, they like start like chimping out, like it's like the end of the world when somebody like rolls a natural twenty. Yeah, they 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 tend to react really badly to bad optics when you when you play World War Two games. Yeah, which is kind of why I'm going to be putting some uh, air calling uh, some. Uh, some airstrike insignia via some modeling some flags on the top of my uh, Panzer IVs. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have some uh, we're gonna have some excellent optics from uh, your local Stuka, but pretty bad optics all around otherwise. Oof. You know, maybe I'll maybe I'll walk in with my army and uh, have my hand up at the forty-five degree bad optics position. Oof. Telling you, man. Not a good idea. Uh oh. No. No. Probably not. You should. Not... You, should you, you should just do the flags in, in like a like a finish colors of like blue and yellow. No, I mean I like you can you, like if you're playing flames, you can get a, like people. That's actually a fairly common thing to do is the air the airstrike marking flags. Like a ton of people do it because it was a really common thing German tanks had. So if you're mm. a rivet counter, you you'll end up doing that. Interesting. Uh, very few realize this. Uh, this is why you should be playing historical war games. Is you can get away with, uh, well, not get away with, but you can do all sorts of cool things in terms of modeling that you can't do in other games. You can, you can have some uh, historically correct optics, if you will. They're That's not what bad. we should call it. Yeah, they're historically, historically correct accurate. optics. They're like historically this. accurate optics. Um. Show title? Historically yeah. correct optics. Yeah, historically <laughs> correct optics. So no, that that I mean, like, that's really what we're. Uh, that's really what I was uh, running around with there, and um, so I uh, he, it's the mission was hasty attack, which in Flames of War, like in 40k, you got like six or seven objectives, each with like somewhat different points values. I'm I'm pretty sure if it hasn't changed too much from the last time I played it. And like forty k, yeah, one one through six, yeah, yeah, one through six objectives. In Flames of War, the most you'll have is like four, and all anybody has to do is hold and and like begin one of their turns holding one of these objectives, and then the only other win condition there is in the game. In some missions, most missions, that's the only win condition. In some missions, it's either 
Force your opponent to quit the field by breaking their army's morale, which is annihilation. There are no objectives in that mission. And then there's the uh, defensive missions where the defender basically has to begin any turn after turn six, where the attacker does not have any units within either so many inches of their the objective they're defending or with any units within a specified area of the table. So, so those are the two victory condi- the three victory conditions for Flames of War. It doesn't really change a whole lot from that. It's it's actually quite nice if you're kind of small-brained. You don't got to think about, well, is this the mission where, you know, it's fairly simple. So no retreat. The defender places one objective in the attacker's deployment zone-ish. You know, there are limits. And the attacker places uh, two in the defender's deployment or deployment area, and the defender places one in their deployment area. And then the defender and the attacker both deploy, or the defender deploys all his dudes, then the attacker gets to remove one of the objectives he placed. Right? Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so the way, the the defender gets an ambush unit and delayed reserves, and the attacker gets immediate reserves. The ambush unit is a unit you deploy, but you hold him in ambush, so he can, like, basically appear anywhere on the field in your deployment zone, provided he's outside of a certain range of any enemy units that can either see him or he's not concealed from. Uh... So my buddy holds his pack 40s in ambush, which is like the standard strategy. But what you don't realize is when you play um, hasty attack, what you want to do as the defender in that mission is you want to place your uh, place one of your infantry platoons. Because if you're defending, you most likely you have two infantry platoons if you chose to defend in that mission, unless you rolled horribly on some tables. Um, so you want to place one of your two infantry platoons on the center objective that you get to place that isn't removed. You hold one of your infantry platoons in ambush, and I'll explain why you would do that in a moment. And then you place your uh, long-range anti-tank assets in areas that aren't necessarily holding objectives, but areas that can look over large portions of the board or can easily move to where an objective might be if they can move. And then you want to hold your mo- mobile assets in reserve. Um... So what my buddy ended up doing was he held his pack 40s in reserve and he places two flat cannons on the center objective that isn't removed. He places a Fallschirmjäger platoon on um, on each of the objectives I placed and holds his Brumbars, Tiger, and Mortars in reserve because he need, just needed to hold the Mortars in reserve. I wasn't running many infantry, so it's not like uh, the Mortars would have helped him all that much. Um, now the list I was playing, just to go over that really fast, standard... Sherman Tank Company with uh, two tank HQ, uh, three three tank platoons. Two of them had one 76 millimeter Sherman in them each, and then it was an infantry platoon for support along with a unit of 105 millimeter howitzers. And also within the Sherman Tank Company, there was an M3 81 millimeter mortar platoon. So it's a fairly decent anti-infantry general all-rounder list that uh, that could take most comers in the late war. Um, so. I remove one of the objectives, and his uh, his Fallschirmjäger on that objective basically have nothing to do. So he, he lets them sit there, which was kind of his cardinal mistake, is he should have moved them onto the center objective he'd placed with his, uh, whatchamacallits, his Flak 88s. Because oh. there aren't many Flak 88s in a Flak 88 unit, because they're only like two, one or two. So I was able to very basically easily bombard them off the, uh, off the objective, and... Um, just rush it with my Shermans, and then as he was moving the infantry, his infantry moved, they're very vulnerable. 
and his infantry didn't have any integrated anti-tank weapons, and I baited him and forced him to ambush his pack 40s on the other side of the board with another unit of Shermans, which I sacrificed to make sure the pack 40s which have a very low movement range, couldn't move to the objective that was weakest held, right? So, so quick, uh, quick interjection here. That, yeah. that is a great topic uh, that I like as far as uh, strategy goes, is baiting people to use their reserves somewhere where you want them to use it and not where they want to use it. Right. Um, so I, I force his pack 40s out of ambush, basically, because I put pressure on one of his units um, on an objective because I'm like, okay, I can either assault the flak 88s as they are right now or I can assault this infantry. I'm going to try to assault the infantry first and see if he pulls his pack 40s out and tries to kill my Shermans as they roll up there. What do you know? He does it. He shoots. He basically destroys a Sherman unit in like two turns of shooting, gets rid of it. Um, so uh, that's all gone now. And so now I just bombard the Flak 88s off the center objective, force them to retreat because there was one left in the unit, started with two when you're down to one gun team in a unit. Unless it started with just one gun team, it rolls unit last stand and then leaves. If it fails, it failed, even with his formation commander's reroll. His Fallschirm Jaegers start to move up to the objective as my Shermans are on it to contest it to prevent me from winning the game. I start assaulting them to death and machine gunning them to death in the open because as infantry move, they're very vulnerable to machine gun fire. And assaults from tanks on infantry are generally how you kill infantry that don't have anything like a Panzerfaust. Um, now, because of the way hasty attack works, the defender's reserves come in in random areas of the table. So his tiger comes on in the least opportune spot for it to come on. It comes Oof. off on the absolute other side of the board. And his brumbars come on, but the thing about the brumbars is they roll up past a forest, which one of my Shermans are bogged down in. And the Sherman then proceeds to turn around, take out one of them. The other thing about brumbars that's kind of problematic is they only have rate of fire one, so they take a lot of penalty for moving and firing, especially at like concealed targets, which my commander was. He misses my commander, and uh, because I've basically murdered everything off the objective, I take it and I win the game by the sixth turn. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Now, the thing about hasty attack is if you know the trick where you hold your infantry platoon in ambush, what he would have done is... He'd have had, he would have placed his center infantry platoon on, or his infantry platoon on the objective he gets to place and doesn't get removed, right? So he's sure mm -hmm. they're going to be defending it. Infantry are the thing you want defending objectives most of the time. Then you place your, your, one of your long-range anti-tank assets on that with your infantry to cover them. You hold your, um, you hold your armored units in reserve along with, well, you... In this mission, I could have seen him keeping the Brumbars out of reserve and putting the Pack 40s in reserve. Even though the Pack 40s are slower, the Brumbars are easier to move around once the objective gets removed. He could you leave the Brumbars as a token force on one objective and leave something else on the other one. Once I remove the objective, the, his first turn, he ambushes his other infantry unit on the objective that I um, didn't remove. So now he's got two infantry units, and when something ambushes, it counts as having started there, so it is dug in and gone to ground, so he's got two infantry units dug in heavily on these objectives that I'm going to have to assault now. I'll assault off of them. Hopefully mm. with uh, some some kind of anti-tank weaponry behind them so that if I assault them with tanks, 
there's a, there's a difficulty there. His other major mistake was in list building. He focused too many too much on his auxiliary units as opposed to giving all of his Fallschirmjägers Panzerfausts, which would have made it near impossible for me to assault them with tanks and would have probably swung the game drastically in his favor, even with the failure to ambush the infantry unit as as uh, as he did see that's that's actually that's actually a very pertinent question when it comes to list building because because in many war games there there are uh there are options for your basic troops right and many of these could be what's considered to be noob traps right where right. you where you just you just outright you know give all of your basic troops a bunch of equipment and then they die really easily. It really the the thing about this is that it really depends. Like with Flames of War, it depends on the army and what exactly the list you're building is supposed to do, right? Right. With Germans, right. your infantry basically do two things. They uh, they function as anti tank assault, so that if a tank assaults them, they can kill them in assault with Panzerfausts in the late late war. So you, everybody's got a Panzerfaust, and they also function as anti infantry because German infantry generally a rifle MG or MG team, so they have high rates of fire, so they can kill anything that comes near them, right? Uh, so so the upgrading and getting a lot of German infantry isn't generally a bad idea. Um, but some some in Flames of War, there's less uh, noob upgrades, because there are very few upgrades in Flames of War, and most of the upgrades that there are are actually pretty much worth it, for the most part. Like, Panzerfausts are a great upgrade in the late war. Not so much in the mid-war, because they're not a thing. Panzerknackers are not as much of a great upgrade in the mid-war. When, if we get Panzerfaust in the mid-war, they'll probably be pretty good. Um, but uh, there are units that are noob traps. Like, the Tiger Tank is a noob trap. It looks really cool on paper, but in practice, there are too few of them. And AT-12 is too common in the late war, and in the mid-war, it costs a literal third of your army list. So it's it's kind of a noob <sighs> trap there. So again, yeah. that's that's part of that. It really it depends. Like hordy armies, you want to spend less time upgrading dudes because oftentimes for the cost of an, a single upgrade, you can buy like two or three dudes. I know mm-hmm. it's the case with the guard, or it used to be that for like a plasma cannon or like a plasma gun on one of your guys, you could buy like three extra guardsmen. And the three extra guardsmen yeah. were always worth it because you would be, that, that gives you more staying power. Right, more wounds per point, right? Precisely. Whereas... Yeah, and that's that's the that's the question, you know, when you look at your infantry squads, are you are you asking yourself, do you want the squad to have staying power or do you want the squad to have killy power, right? Do you want it to have docker, do you want it to have staying power, and can you find a way to do both? With with 40k that certainly is the uh that certainly is the economy because everybody has access to special weapons. In a game yeah. like Flames of War, it's certainly less the case because your killing power is directly proportional to the number of shots you get off, which is directly proportional to the amount of dudes in a unit. Yeah, well, you don't have access to nine plasma guns in your squad, so I can I mean, understand how you... If you... I mean, like... There, are, there isn't actually anything in Flames that comes remotely close to the power of killing things with plasma guns in 40k in terms of statistics yeah they're 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 pretty good but honestly i found reasons to not take them at some points just because you know for for killy power i mean just because uh you know for for like my my eight lehman russ uh example there i mean like you know (sighs) 
Lathe cannons in that regard would probably be a better choice than plasma guns. Plasma guns are mech, anti-mechs, marine equivalents. Yeah. So. I mean, with flames, basically the best thing in terms of points for killing infantry is artillery and mortars. The best thing in terms of points for killing tanks is generally other tanks or anti-tank guns. It really just boils down to that. Infantry are decent at killing infantry if they charge them, but the real reason you take infantry is to hold objectives. So Americans don't have any good anti-tank on their uh, on their infantry. Well, they they get like an infantry American infantry. But they have platoon. like bars. A BAR is a Browning automatic rifle that shoots yeah. bullets. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's. I mean, it's a it's a great rifle. No, I, I mean, I'm no, not gonna. I'm no not bazookas. Gonna, oh no no. You, with an infantry platoon, you get one bazooka, so that's one shot at a tank. Uh, you need to kill at least two tanks to drive back in a tank assault. So you need at least now American armored rifles, which are actually really heavy points wise, and I don't really like them that much. Uh, they get a ton of bazookas in their units, so that's not a problem for them. But with American rifles, you can get like at most sometimes two bazookas if you're running the correct list, and that can get a little expensive buying all those extra bazookas. So the Americans, you're better off sticking to like using some kind of cheaper anti-tank gun. Like I know in the mid-war. When I run my American infantry, which is like one of my favorite things ever, period, I really, really, really like, uh, I think it's that early 37 millimeter cannon. I think it's the M2. Yeah, because, uh, because I, I, I mean, like, I'm you know, I, up really fast. I only, I, I've only played, I mean, I've, I, I've been, it's the M337 millimeter. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, I mean, I've, I've got a little bit of knowledge of World War II, obviously, but, uh, I mean, uh, I've always just assumed that the that the balancing there is that the is that the American tanks are a little bit cheaper. You know, they come they come a little bit uh, um, quicker because we sent so many over there. Um, well, what how it generally boils down to is so with Germans, a Panzer IV is has like an eight. The the, the difference between a Panzer IV and a Sher- M4 Sherman is that the M4 Sherman is a front armor of six and a side armor of four. Panzer IV is a front armor of six and a side armor of three. And the Panzer IV is armored skirting, which gives it a side armor of five against anything with a firepower of five or higher that shoots at its side armor. So that that includes like most of your anti-tank rifles, bazookas, rocket launchers, etc. Um, but the uh, M4 Sherman has an AT-10 rate of fire two, firepower three up, 32 inch range cannon. And the Panzer IV has basically the exact same cannon except it has AT-11. So, a confident veteran Panzer IV and a confident veteran Sherman tank are actually fairly close in points. Uh, because the Sherman has a rule that gives it better rate of fire on the move, and the Panzer IV has a rule that gives it extra movement orders. Interesting. Okay. So, so, like, your bog standard Panzer IV is actually... It's it's comparable to a Sherman. Like, if you if you just handed me a flames of, two Flames of War armies and said... Uh, you got 20 Panzer IVs, you got 20 M4 Shermans. Are these armies balanced? I'd say, yeah, they're pretty, pretty well balanced against each other. Because, well, actually, um, no, no, that's not the case. Because the Panzer IV, when fighting the Sherman, has a slight advantage on the front because its gun is stronger. So the Sherman against the Panzer IV statistically is... Well, I could I could get into it, but the Sherman has a slight dist- statistical advantage when fighting it. But in in like a in like a 
game where there are a bunch of things, like comparing them to other threats, they're they're generally very similar. Doesn't, okay. Doesn't yeah, change. it's just well because I I've, I've played I played World War II video games and uh, and that's mostly that that's usually how they tend to balance out the the uh, lack of anti tank or I guess the relative lack of anti tank on the American side and the British side with the uh, with the massively good Panzerfaust Panzerfaust is that what I'm uh, Panzerfaust. Uh, Panzerfaust. Um, are you talking about skirting or what? I'm, ta- I'm talking about like handheld. Oh yeah, no, no, the Panzerfaust, yeah. the Panzerschreck, and the Panzernacker. Panzernacker. Panzerschreck. That's what I was. That's well, what I was looking for. Well, yeah. the Panzerschreck's a bazooka clone. The Panzerfaust is a single-use uh, shaped charge that fires shoulder fired, and the Panzernacker is a magnetic bomb with a string on the end. You pull the string and it blows up. <laughs> oh. And I just gave those in reverse order of when they were released. In 1942, Hitler released this, the Panzerfaust, <laughs> their most acclaimed album yet. No, the um, the uh, Panzerfaust pretty. Uh, the Panzerfaust is probably one of the best disposable anti-tank weapons. Well, it's basically the only disposable anti-tank weapon of the time period, but it is. It it was it was a very venerable and weapon that was used in large quantities by every army involved in the war because they were disposable and people would steal them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so again, it it depends, and also, like video games, also kind of have this conception of, like German tanks were all really elite because my Panthers and my Tigers, but the vast majority of German armored vehicles were Stug threes and Panzer fours. By like 1944, like you were mostly seeing Stugs and Panzer IVs. Yeah, and they're well. I'm mostly, uh, I'm most, I'm mostly thinking about. Uh, I don't, I don't have it up right now, but I'm mostly thinking. I think of that game, Call of Heroes. I think it's called the uh, the the Relic RTS uh, World War II game, which was. Oh, Company uh, of Heroes, yeah. Company of Heroes, yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, Co- Company of Heroes, and and in that game, like I can't, I can't really remember. I mean, like I think, I think their guns were pretty good, but uh, the big thing about German tanks in that game was their, I, you know, this isn't a video game show, but the the biggest thing was their armor. Like their armor was was usually a little bit better than the Shermans and the and the Allied tanks. You know, especially IV, if you're hitting them from the front. The Panzer IV, not necessarily, but with the uh, the Stug, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and and that's mostly what I'm thinking of. I remember playing against uh, German players, and and you know my shells would just bounce off the front of their armor. Very annoying. The Stug is the Stug is one of the greatest units in late war Flames of War. Period. Uh, I have won quite a few stu- games off the backs of my Stugs, just running against uh, Russian tanks. Um, and their and their main their main gun doesn't uh, doesn't swivel, does it? It's well, it basic. has a, it has like a slight fifteen degree de- traverse. Uh, you know, it can swivel a little bit, but it's it's not on a turret at all. Yeah. Yeah, that makes me that makes me think back to vehicle facing 
I really, I really miss vehicle facing in uh, 40k. Flames of War does it pretty well. It's it's very oversimplified, which which is nice because you have a front armor and a side and arm, side armor, which counts as your rear armor. And basically, you draw a line in front of the tank. If something's in front of the line, drawn in front of the tank, like basically, it's a line that's uh, basically perpendicular to both treads. So you draw a straight line across the bow of the tank. If something's in front of that line, you hits your front armor. If it's behind that line, it hits your side armor. You do the same thing mm-hmm. with the turret, and if it's on your side armor on your turret and on your front armor in your tank, you roll a dice to see, like, 50-50 chance to see if it hits the turret or the, the hull and mm-hmm. see which armor value you use. Other than that, it's, like, so simple. See, that's that's great. That's great. I, I I really like that. I mean, in in seventh edition, you had you had all this complicated stuff about uh. It's an X, well, you know, and it goes through like the the crosses of the ten. Yeah, no, it's dumb. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like I I think it was flawed, but I think it's a lot better than the system we have now. Of just everything is a massive you know creature that has massive numbers of wounds, and you know nothing matters anymore. You can place your your tanks however you want and you know it's all the same flames of war you can do the same because artillery no longer kills tanks but artillery artillery killing tanks was kind of dumb so (laughs) uh yeah it, it it seems to me like tanks are the thing that you get into to avoid i mean like unless you're you're hit like you know directly on base base the the point of a tank is that it doesn't die. It doesn't die as quickly to artillery. Like in the Battle of Kursk, for example, I, I do believe. Now, um, I may be wrong. Uh, that that the vast majority of tank kills in uh, in in the Battle of Kursk were just due to artillery. But that was just weight of fire and like 155 yeah. millimeter like monster cannons. So it was just awful. But you, um, you, you shoot enough shells into an area, it's bound to hit. I mean, there there were cases directly. in North Africa where the United United States literally stopped a German tank column just by sat, saturate bombarding the area it was moving through and just killing it, just just absolutely killing everyone in it just by saturation bombardment. But again, it's it's difficult to kill a tank with artillery like in a, in a more standard non-massive engagement like those. Those are the exceptions, not the rule. The tank, the point of the tank is precisely that it can't be killed by mortars and artillery. And machine guns, so you can charge enemy lines with it. Like that's what it was. That's what it was designed to do in World War One was break through enemy lines so that the infantry could follow it through. And then World War Two, it basically served as that function as well. You'd have infantry divisions on defensive footings, and then you would take tanks and you would try to move through them, try to break a hole open, and then follow through with mech, and then use like mechanized and motorized infantry to con- to basically defend your areas and consolidate your gains while your tanks basically moved forward, and then like you would move your infantry up to hold those areas. And the only times you saw like mass infantry assaults were where you couldn't really assault with tanks or you didn't have enough tanks. So like on the eastern front where you where you you can't fight with tanks inside of a factory because it's cluttered, so you have to clear that out with infantry. You can't land tanks, mass land tanks on a beach in 1944, so you, Normandy was that way. And Monte Cassino, I mean, tanks were just awful in Italy because it was rainy, muddy, and mountainy. Well, and, and sometimes just weight of forces, whatever those forces are, will take out, you know, you know, even, even though, you know, rock, paper, scissors, even though tanks beat infantry, you put, you put enough infantry in a, in a spot and it'll, 
it'll usually overcome whatever's there. One thing right? people fail to realize is that if infantry, like, assault, so say you have, like, an infantry battalion and a tank battalion facing off against each other, if the infantry take the advantage and attack the tanks, um, the tanks are going to have a hard time. Uh, dealing yeah. with, uh, in 1940, a tank a tank unit is going to have a hard time dealing with a mass infantry charge <laughs> because tanks right. aren't defensive weapons. Period. Well, I mean, this they're, is they're tough, but they're not defensive in, in in real life. Yeah. Well, and and this this goes into the armchair generaling or or math hammering or whatever word yeah, no, you want to say. I'm, I'm basically being an armchair commando, and I'm sure some somebody yeah. has like cases or scenarios where whatever I'm saying isn't true, and they're reading. I mean, I'm, I'm speaking in broad generalities, uh, so you can you can come like if you want to like come complain at me, sure, and I'll probably grant you whatever you're complaining to me about. I mean, but again, generally, this this, this is, is the case. This is why this is why you should always take your local commander's advice as far as whatever is going on in that general area, you know, because because they because you know they usually have a better idea of what the hell's going on. I was actually. Uh, as an aside, I was actually talking to a buddy of mine at work about this, and he was he was complaining about two Lehman Russes, right, in an opponent's army. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I really wish I was spacing down that, you know. And uh, and he's like, yeah, I, I just I just keep trying to deep strike and assault the Lehman Russ, and I just can't. I'm like, well, have you, have you tried just deep striking 20 Marines and punching it to death <laughs> like have you have you considered simply just ignoring the two lehman russes because there aren't enough of them and simply murdering his infantry <laughs> well yeah and and like and and that's that's kind of sort of what i told him but he's like no he's just too good with those lemons and i was and and so i was like okay i'll take Le- i'll lemon, take what lemon, you're saying it's right? lemon. i i i i always pronounced it lemon the lemon i don't know man I know. I'm, I, am I am I am I triggering you right now? That, kind of. <laughs> it's not. It's not so bad. Is that? It's not as bad as like Panzer Jagger or something like that. That would that would really trigger the ever living. It's like uh, sometimes <laughs> I listen to people talk about like something happening in a Spanish speaking country, and I know a little bit of Spanish, but at the very least I know how it's pronounced. And somebody will be like, "Well, it was Pinochet," and I'm like, "It's Pinochet. <laughs> Stop." <laughs> Yeah. So no. so in 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 conclusion, what I just I pre- I pretty much just told them stop sending ten men at it and send twenty men at it, and you know you'll 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 punch them to death. You know, this it's, is it's not that hard. That's the, well, that's that's how you win any war game, though. <laughs> just, I mean, like just punching the tanks to death. Well, the, the the key to like I don't think we covered this. This is more tactics, <laughs> is what we're talking about today. Um, We're not talking Soviet tactics here. Well, no, no. The, the key to ta- like every army uses these tactics. Even the Soviets in 1944, the Americans in 1944, the British in 1940. We're all using this. Is basically you serve if you're playing on an attack on an offensive footing. You basically want to find a point in which you think you can dismantle your opponent's front line and exploit it and push everything you can move into that area. Mm-hmm. And then keep a lot of force applied to other areas so that your opponent doesn't feel comfortable moving a ton of stuff uh, towards the area you're really making a massive push towards until it's too late. That's that's the balance you have to strike. I mean, at least in Flames of War, that's how it works. I'm not sure with 40k. Because I'm not even sure 40k has a really good distinction between like lists that are really defensive and lists that are really offensive. Because 40k infantry don't really work the same way Flames' do. Well, I mean, I think I think 
there are definitely factions that do it better. Uh, there's there's this one uh, list called Calls Moving Castle, which is uh, which is a kind of a funny list. It's it's basically just this uh, this massive tech priest surrounded by robots that shoot things, and they all just stay in like a single island and they just shoot everything off the map. Well, I mean that that's an old seventh <laughs> edition and sixth edition yeah. thing where it was like the Death Star, and it's like the it was like the uh, the the classic you took the ultramarine psyker guy with the teleportation move and Commander Farsight. Oh yeah, 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 you could teleport yeah. anywhere across the field like. With instantaneous yeah. accuracy, and you'd tell you'd basically stick them in with Farsight's um, broadside commander unit special dudes, and you'd throw in some other guys to just kill things, and the unit would Smash basically just there. teleport wherever it wanted, kill whatever it wanted, and leave. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I mean, this is this is a little bit more, uh, you know, reserved. But yeah, I mean, I mean, getting a beachhead and then just defending it. I mean, if you can. Oh, that was a really good Flames I mean, of War mission for third edition. Was Beachhead? Oh, yeah. I think they removed it, but Beachhead was so good. Oh. <laughs> it was one of those missions you but, thought was really cool until you played it that one time, and then it was awful, and then you forgot how awful it was. So you still think it's really cool because of how cool the map looks. Oh yeah, yeah. What, what was that? What was that mission in the original Halo game? It was something. It was I something Beachhead Halo. Never played Galo? Shit, dude. Dude, I never played Halo. Fuck. Dude, dude, you want you? Uh, we've we've been through this before. The only video games I play are basically like Darkest Dungeon, Hearts of Iron Four, Metal Gear Solid Five, The Phantom Pain, Team Fortress Two, Torchlight Two, and Dawn of War and Space Marine. Those are the only games I play. Oh, and Panzer Medals. Those are the oh, only man. games I play. Well, there was there was this one uh, mission where you just you just get you fly over to a beachhead and you just jump out with a bunch of marines and you're assaulting the beachhead and you know guys are dying around you and you have to go up to the next uh, barricade and the next barricade. Oh yeah, the obligatory D-Day mission in every World War II game. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So so and, and it was and it was the most fun mission because you know you had to you had to take territory and I mean not not as a game mechanic but you know what I mean. Yeah. 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 So So, I mean, one of the important things for taking territories you already discussed was tanks, and I believe Jack wanted to get my opinion as a as uh, as a yes. as a hobbyist rivet counter. No, I'm not the most hardcore rivet counter there is, but it's generally a casual rivet counter my opinion on some uh, Warhammer 40k Forge World tank designs that we will never see in person because you don't buy things for Forge World because that's for uh, that's for the bourgeois, not proletarians like us. That's right. That's right. Well, so I, I wanted I wanted to preface this with saying uh, that. Well, well, I'm never mind. I, I have to I have to look something up. Go go right ahead. Well, all I was going to say is so this is real Chapo Brap House posting hours. We're. Uh, we're doing some real, uh, we're doing some real proletarian posting, but you know. Ah, uh, yes. For, for, are we gonna Are we gonna write a really shitty book with large font? I mean, I'm not opposed to publishing my setting, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, self own on purpose. They see they can't own you if you just own yourself. That's right. So, so I want I wanted to start this off. Uh, Which tank do I, you want to start off talking about? Let's. Uh, oof. Well, 
We could start with uh, we, there, there's the Mal- we want to go through the Malkador, the Carnadon, the Aurochs, and the Dracosan. And then let's, I saw something I wanted to talk about, and I'll, I'll surprise right. you with that. Let's uh, let's start with the Malkador because that's I think that's the oldest uh, um, 30k Imperial Army Forge World tank because it was kind of the it was kind of the redo of the Lehman Russ at the time. I remember when it came out. I I, I don't own any obviously but but it was kind of the uh it was it was kind of it's kind of what replayed the replaced the lehman russ in 30k imperial army so go ahead yeah i i don't i don't like it very much and i got two reasons um for one thing it's dumb looking and by dumb looking i mean its design doesn't make a whole lot of sense it's got this really flat plate on the front very flat, not a whole lot of sloping, which is bad. That's bad for arm. That's bad armor design. Uh, it's got a gun that can traverse, kind of, but no turret. So it's got this weird traversing gun, but no tur- turret, which doesn't make any sense because if you just want to, if you want to rotate the gun, put a turret on the tank. If you want to make a non-traversing gun, just make a self-propelled gun. Uh, like the Malkador in Furnace has the gun hull mounted as opposed to the mm. Malkador with the normal gun. I'm looking at the the Malkador Defender right now trying to get his feel. The, the Malkador Defender makes a little bit more sense, but it leaves me asking the question of if you're going to just hull mount a massive cannon, why put a bunch of little sponsons on top of the turret, which are basically just weak points and shell traps and other sorts of things because anytime you have a gap in armor, it's a shell trap where something can ricochet into somewhere that's less armored, you know, cause all sorts of headaches. So this is kind of a... It's the it's the eternal uh, 40k question of why sponsons. Well, yeah. I mean, like, I, I can get why you'd want, like, oh, the, the, the hull sponsons on the Malkador make a lot more sense if you're going to design sponsons for like modern warfare that's how you would do them uh because you're they're limiting the amount of fire that could just hit them straight on they're angled they're put into the hull i mean there's not really a point to have sponsons but in this case it it's a, it's done better than the lehman russ in terms of a design yeah and that's and that's kind of what i wanted to uh that's what that's kind of what I wanted to. Uh, th- that's what I noticed when I was looking through Forge World's catalog is that they did their sponsons differently, and I kind of and I kind of like how they did their sponsons. The Malkador sponsons uh, are uh, six out of five. Everything else on this tank is a one out of five. Next tank, um, <laughs> we're looking at the Carnadon. Ah, uh, yes, the the Carnadon. Battle I believe this tank. is the newest, the newest battle tank, and it and it's kind of an equivalent of a of a Predator, if you yeah. if you know that classic. Yeah, one. The, the classic Predator. It's got the uh, it got the same armaments on it. All you will, I mean, I the first thing I'm looking at it is going, whoa, steampunk, whoa. <laughs> I hate uh, steampunk that's, that's so also much. That's a rant for another day. Um, I hate steampunk a lot. That's a rant for another day. Unfortunately, this week in Why America isn't still up. He had like a lot, or Twenty Eight Sherman isn't still up anymore. He had a lot of good takes on steampunk. But um, anyway, just looking at this thing, it's like the it's it's basically got all the same problems. The armor sloping. It's got a little bit more armor sloping, so it's got that. It's got track guards on the back of the goddamn <laughs> tank. I. Know. Um, <laughs> uh, which is dumb. The, the, hey, the engine block is open from the rear. I mean, 
So you put track guards on the back of the tank to protect, <laughs> presumably, from all those anti-tank rockets you can get shot at you from the back, but you leave right. your engine housing open. Yeah, right. Yeah. Good work, guys. I actually didn't notice that the engine housing. Engine housing is open, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you go 360, 360 degree view. You can see that. Yeah, huh. it, it's it's almost as bad as the reverse sights on uh, on the Space Wolf Terminators. Have you heard about that? Uh, no. Are, are, there, do, are there iron sights wrong on the guns? Yeah, yeah. So, the, so the, the, the classic the bolter has an iron sight on it, right? Yeah. Well, so so a combi bolter are just two bolters stuck together, right? So it has two iron sights. Well, no, uh, actually, it might actually have two iron sights. But basically, basically, they flip the iron sights and put them on the bottom of the barrel. Wait, what? No, I'm, I'm looking this up. Space Wolf Terminator sights. Let's go into images. Um, are these like the original old ones, uh, or were they no, re-released? No. Uh, hold on a second. I'll 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 send it to you. Yeah, send me a link. I'll just keep talking about this this travesty. So <laughs> yeah, it's got please. it's got some very bad uh, bad design choices that were made. The rear track guards are exceptionally triggering. The open engine housing is so dumb. I shouldn't even have to mention it. The exhaust pipes kind of look kind of stupid from an aesthetic sense. Practically speaking, that's not really a problem. Somebody shoots off your exhaust pipe. Oh no. The uh <laughs> the the tube where smoke comes out of. Now it's broken, so the smoke comes out further down the tube. Oops. Uh yeah, no. Nobody cares about that. Uh the turret on this thing is Decently well designed. They're trying to evoke the Panzer IV with that thing. I feel like uh, they. Uh, I feel like they're trying to evoke that the Panzer IV with yeah. it. Yeah, but well, so so this is this is something about Forge that, World not, that I, I don't think they moved the site. Yeah, they they did kind. Of, it looks stupid. Anyway, the gun just yeah. looks stupid. Yeah. So 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 people were wondering, well, what what the hell is that thing on the bottom? You know, like like under the barrel, it looks kind of weird. And and when you look at it from the front, like like there's no, I've, I've, there's no I've, possible reason why you would do that. But if you if you look at it from upside down, it looks as though like I stopped in, in looking all- at the uh, at this triggering space wolf image. I'm looking at the previous image I'd sent you before the call began. <laughs> <laughs> just to just to spare your uh, just to spare my eyes. I'd much rather look at that. No, um, <laughs> no, it's. Re, re, yeah. uh, no, I mean, I can get they were going for the Panzer IV turret on the Carnadon, um, but they, they didn't understand why the Panzer IV turret was the way it was, uh, mm-hmm. so the thing doesn't look real, it looks kind of stupid. Uh, also, the sponsons are less well designed because they stick out of the side of the tank and you could shoot at them. Uh, this tank earns a two out of five because the armor sloping is better. Next. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's go with the uh, Arox. Yes, the Arox. Yes. Um, this, this... <laughs> apart from I, I having only... the, the same awful, god awful, um, uh, rear tread guard design, which. You know, maybe they drive the thing into battle backwards and then open up the front gate and let the dudes just walk out into enemy fire, and that's how the track guards are there. Um, <laughs> apart from that, I mean, it, it looks 
very similar to a lot of what we would, you know, armored personnel carriers that we have in real life. Uh, the the way that the front of the thing is designed with the um, with the uh, sticking out of the driver's cabin versus whatever the thing to the left of it, if you're looking, or the right of it, if you're looking at it from the front, is uh, that um, I I don't understand what the design choice was there, and that there's a lot of shot traps in there. Um, well, I mean. I mean, if if I may be so bold, and I think what what so bold and so foolish. <laughs> I, I think what Forge World was trying to do is they try they were trying to recreate like the the Rhino Predator distinction. So they just like rip the top gun off and put a pintle mounted thing on it and Auto said, cannon, "Okay, it looks that's, like yeah." I mean, it even I mean, has the side openings that a Rhino would have where the, the yeah sponsor would be mounted. I mean, I get it. It's not the most awful design I've ever seen. Like, the Rhino makes sense. Like, the Rhino design is actually fairly decent. Um, apart from the scaling of the model. Uh, I mean, but this thing is just stupid. Well, and and additionally, it's it's really easy to create transport or, uh, you know, armored transport vehicles because... Because the goal is different, right? The goal is right. to get to get the cargo to the destination, right? And maybe provide some fire support if you're well, lucky. The, the, the you know? thing about an armored transport is they were conceived of to basically keep dudes from being killed by small arms fire. Yeah. They're not there to prevent themselves from being killed by large anti-tank weaponry. So again, it doesn't need to be like perfectly optimized with armor and sloping and all that. Perfectly reasonable to just keep the sides flat, try to lower the profile of the vehicle, and just roll it around. So right. I'm less triggered by this one. One thing I do want to comment on is uh, the Malkador does have, and these both have very long treads in terms of like how long they are along the side of the vehicle, and that's actually a good thing in terms of design. Yeah, that's uh, something I, I noticed too. Treads aren't very wide though, but again, they're not any more or less proportionally wide to uh, modern vehicle treads, I suppose you could say. So I'm not going to complain about this one. Uh, this one earns a 3 out of 5 in total because it is better than the previous tank. Next. <laughs> the Dracosin. Ah, yes, yes, the, Dr- the Dracosin. Oh, which is an a, awesome name. It's a, it's a Malkador. But it's a transporter, and oh, it really? is I didn't, I didn't it is a that. it is a transporter. Yes, it is a Dracosin armored transport. <laughs> and dear lord, this thing is dumb. <laughs> uh, so it has a lot of flat surfaces on the front. Bad yeah. plan. One of, one of the first things I noticed, it's got like a dreadnought, almost like a dreadnought coffin on the front, which is yeah. very weird. Like, I will forgive the dreadnought because it's a battle walker, and although it's stupid, I like the way they look, so I'm not going to complain about them. Yeah, the old, the old box knots are probably the best. The box knot is one of the best designed things ever. Yeah. But the, 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 the funny thing about this thing is you look at the uh, the front of it, and you look at the, where that las cannon, double las cannon thing is. That thing's like just such a bad shot trap. Like that's, it's just oh my lord, what were they thinking? <laughs> well, and and okay, so so las cannons in I guess in the fluff, las cannons overheat, right? 
So you've got that right next to your treads. I don't know, and 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 your pilot or your. Well, there, there's. Or your I mean, last cannons could in theory overheat, but you know, it, I, it, that's not so much of a problem as being next to the treads. I mean, and I presume the reason the pilot's cabin is so weird looking and separate is so that it doesn't overheat when the last cannons overheat or something, which is dumb because yeah. that just gives it more shot traps. This entire well, the entire front of this vehicle is like just like shoot the las cannon please or shoot that like flat <laughs> thing in front of the driver please ballistic Which weaponry is, right so you shoot the las cannon with a with some sort of like I don't know uh, less complicated shell and it goes through and blows up and kills the driver so now you're stuck in the mud right well you know if you're not dead already. This this entire it, it, oh yeah it, it can have a demolisher cannon in place of it, which I guess suppose makes a little bit more sense, but it's still kind of dumb. Uh, yeah. Um. So uh, this this earns a one out of ten for shot trapping. Uh, next. Yeah, not a very good transport. Not at all a very good transport. Now, so the what, thing what, I wanted to what, talk about. Well, so oh, yes. I noticed where I was like, wow, they actually did something right. That is the Imperial Bombard, if you just want to look that up really fast. Yes, I was actually that was actually something I was going to ask you last, was about okay. the Bombard. Now, I want you to go to a Google Images search and, and type in M40, so M40, one word, and then gun motor carriage, right? Okay. Now All I right. want you to look at it. I want you to look at a few pictures of it. Then I want you to look back at the Imperial Bombard. And you will notice that they are actually very similar in terms of the way they're designed. Mm-hmm. I mean I mean there's no uh there's no uh, you know robot hand feeding the uh Yeah, that's because in the nineteen forties we didn't have robot hands. If you um <laughs> Or machine spirits. If you look uh if you look at the um if you if you do like look uh, in terms of the way it was designed, it did actually have like I think there was some kind of crane they had designed that could be hand operated to move the shell. Mm-hmm. After two guys moved it close enough, I do believe um, I might be wrong on that. It's a 155 millimeter cannon. Now the blacker or the the Imperial Bombard. I wanted to say blacker Bombard. That's another thing. Um, it has a very similar design. It's got it's it's a hull mounted kind of stubby cannon, not long like the 105 millimeter cannon. But again, go Google Brumbar B U R M B A R. It's actually B R U M M B A R, and you'll see that uh kind of stocky, short, big cannons are not a are not a new thing on the field of battle. So I'm not going to adopt them points for kind of having kind of a funny cannon-looking design. I'm not the guy who figured that thing out. Um, the actual gun itself, I mean, it, it's got a shell loader. It goes in, shoots the shell, leaves. Uh, it doesn't, the armor facing doesn't really matter because presumably this thing is far enough back that it's not taking direct fire. Even then, it's got some fairly decent... Uh, it's got some fairly decent armor sloping on the front of it. Actually, probably better than some of the things we've seen previously. Uh, so it's a better tank than the, uh, the Alcador. <laughs> slightly better. Um, I mean, the Armageddon pattern Basilisk is also... Uh, like, the Armageddon pattern Medusa and Basilisk are also both better. That's uh, that's actually real. what I wanted to ask you about next, is the uh, the Basilisk. 
the Medusa. I mean, all the Basilisk looks like is uh, the Armageddon pattern Basilisk is basically like, if you really wanted to like draw a direct comparison, I think Vesp, uh, W-E-S-P-E, just uh, uh, Vesp, S-P, gun. Um, if you just type in Vesp, you're going to get pictures of wasps because it's the German word for wasp. Which I just did. Thanks. You just type in SP gun? Yeah. Do you, do you see what you're looking at? Yeah, I see you're looking. Yeah. You're basically looking at an open-top Armageddon pattern basilisk. Yeah. You'll hear... And the Armageddon pattern Medusa? Same deal. Yeah, I think I think next week we we have to we have to review we have to review creatures because I think I think you'll really like the creatures, but we shouldn't get into Krieger? it just yet. Kriegers, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I'm I'm familiar with their stuff. Um, oh, here's a here's a good one. You look at the Armageddon pattern Medusa, and then uh, Google 15 centimeter SFH 13. Although each of those is a different word, so 15 centimeter on its own. Space SFH then space thirteen. Uh, then on the end of that, put Lorraine. Lorraine. L O R R A I N E. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So, did their self-propelled guns, because of how retarded historical self-propelled guns actually looked? actually are accurate and but i'm not going to attribute this to actual competence on the end of our designers at Workshop <laughs> forge world um yeah they, they 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 seem to think of like cool guns you know and then they're like so how do we how do we get this you know how do we get this around and then they just add tracks to it it's like how how are the tracks going to look cool you know and I it's mean, weird because Forge World, Forge World's supposed to be like this this company where the where the original devs came from, like real world uh, wargaming, you know. And they decide, you know what? Let's make some 40k models. So this I mean, is this is a little modern self-propelled howitzers still look really dumb. Uh, so uh, I, their self-propelled howitzers are not going to look dumb compared to modern self-propelled howitzers, which also look really dumb. So. <laughs> Well, and that's and and that, and that goes back to like the the armored transport thing, right? Like the 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 idea is to get the thing to the place to do whatever it's supposed to do, right? Whereas with a with a regular tank, you know, you you know, you you kind of have to think about how it's built a little bit more. Well, with the self-propelled howitzer, it's basically just strapping a big ass gun to a armored transport chassis encasing it in steel to make sure nobody can shoot them with pistols while they operate it and then driving it around from point A to point B and sometimes it has a rotating turret wow cool great it can keep pace with armored units and mechanized units and it's good done cool <laughs> I mean and the gun works yeah it works it does its job it might look kind of stupid but you know it doesn't it, 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 nothing's stupid that actually works if it works and it's stupid it's not stupid uh Right. No, so that I'm I'm done throwing shade on Games Workshop for the day. Uh, <laughs> um, all, the, all the other shade that needs to be thrown is basically thrown on them by um by their uh, what do you call it? You would say um pricing structure, exploitative oh, practices. We've we've been over this. 
but there's it's never it's never a good time it's never a good there's never a better time to bash games workshop pricing structure than all the time yeah and and more or less more or less nowadays since they've they they pretty much they pretty much up their prices. It used to be that you know minor fluctuations in in, uh, in the financial uh, market meant that uh, you could get both GW and Forge World uh, models pretty cheaply because of the exchange rate between the dollar and the and the pound. But I mean, lately they've pretty much caught on to this and thought, you know what, we need to start charging. You know, twenty percent more for anyone who doesn't live in uh, regular England, right? Yeah. Well, and and the the rumor going around, I don't know exactly how how accurate this is. So so alert, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not I don't particularly have a primary source on this, but but the rumor is is that they're going to be opening Forge World shops uh, in other countries like the U.S. So theoretically, if they have a distribution well not a distribution center but a but a a manufactorum and a uh, and a store in the United States then theoretically you could get forge world models for cheaper here but you know I'll believe that when I see it yeah they're going to be like oh yeah we're going to open a store for for-. who who what, what, what who goes to a forge world store <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you know they do have some special some special things in their store, but yeah, you're right. It's like it's like I'm buying one Forge World model this year, right? Which one am I buying? I mean, yeah. How are they going to make any money on that? How does Forge World make any money? Who buys this stuff? <laughs> yeah, who's buying this? <laughs> it's like go 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 to J List and you you ask yourself. Um, <laughs> Who the hell is buying anything yeah. off of jlist.com? Uh and and you're you're um the answer won't surprise you. NPCs. Who, That's well, who buys dude, stuff. I mean you go to jlist.com you're asking who buys this. But I'm guessing there's a higher market for the stuff on jlist than there is or larger than there is for Forge World and jlist is cheaper. Yeah. Jlist at least has your waifu. You know, I will give Forge World credit, though. Uh, just a little, just a little. Wait, bit they of got credit. a twenty-five dollar girls in Panzer calendar BRB. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, maybe Forge World might need that, but uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, Forge World does tend to every once in a while, like like somebody with actual skill will come around and make like a really nice, pretty model. You know, and you're like, oh man, that that might be worth it, but. You know, overall, yeah, it's it's you know it's too pricey for a, blocks of resin. Is, that... is this a scale acrylic figure of an anime waifu in a tank? I'm sorry, man, but uh, I think Jalus has got Forge World beat. Um, I can't even use that for Flames of War, but uh, gotta say, are the are the are the angles on the tank girl better? Well, considering it was a real tank, I'm not going to be complaining about it. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen Girls in Panzer? Uh, you know, I, I've, it's on my list of things to see since you've uh, you've talked about it a lot. I, th- I feel like I feel like now I need to uh, now I need to actually indulge and watch it. Girls in Panzer is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Just 
just gotta say, um, I mean, it, I'm trying to trying to think of something to compare it to in terms of like what it was. Um, it was just a high quality, very wholesome television program. Like it wasn't very lewd. It it was very uh, it was very you know. It's just about like adorable little high school girls and armored vehicles. That's that's all it you'd, was. You'd, and friendship. You'd watch. You'd watch it with your parents, right? Like uh, you know, with your no. parents. Hell no, oh, okay. I watched that with my parents. <laughs> <laughs> you said wholesome, you know. Yeah, it is wholesome. That doesn't mean I want to watch it with my family. Oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> There's plenty of wholesome stuff I won't, I wouldn't do with my family, you know. <laughs> you know, like like making a child with your wife is wholesome. I wouldn't do that with my parents. Yeah. I mean, I went there, but I'm going to. Well, yeah. Now you're making me reminding me of the recent pause button and everything that i've been i've been seeing and you know yeah uh, we're gonna get off this train um my 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 jimmies are thoroughly rustled by these tanks i can't take can't take anymore i mean i mean the tanks don't rustle my jimmies because guess what i don't play 40k (laughs) so i don't have to deal with atrocious uh heavy tanks or tanks generally yeah, you lucky bastard. <laughs> the, only, the only atrocious thing I have to deal with is um, I don't know. I'm probably gonna get some flack for this if anybody actually listens to this. But the only atrocious thing I have to deal with is panther tanks. I don't like panthers. You don't like panthers? I think they look ugly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't. I never liked them. Hmm. Why not? They got they got great uh, tread coverage. <laughs> eh, I mean, like that's still a minuscule skirt compared to like the Panzer IV, and oftentimes they didn't even use it. I mean, yeah. it's it, they're fi- she's a finicky girl. Her 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 engine and like transmission will sometimes crack out. Like she's she performs very well a lot of the time, right? But randomly, she just starts puking all over the place, and you don't even know why. Right, like <laughs> she's, I just, she's. I just, I just got what you were saying. Chunky looking and and like homely. I believe is the correct term. Homely. I mean, some people find her attractive, but she's just like weird and chunky and odd looking. It lacks any sort of class whatsoever. Ooh, that, I, that, I, that. I, I gotta say, the Panther tank, low quality tank waifu, man. <laughs> if you want, if you're that into treads. Go, go for a Churchill. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Treads if you're if you are that much of a tread man, go go get yourself like a, a Churchill Mark V or something. Huge tracks of treads, big meaty treads. <laughs> like this thing, I think had the largest treads in the entire war. If you're just to take the treads off the tank and weigh them, I think by weight they'd probably be the largest. Uh, maybe, maybe, the, probably a King Tiger's would be, you know, probably some of the heavier German stuff would be, and the Russian. Never mind, never mind. Forget that I said that. That was kind of dumb. Something, something. Joke about ample nacelles. It's got a got very very nice treads. Um, very very little in terms of like. Uh, in terms of an ammo rack, though, uh, most of the time you're looking at like 57 millimeter to 75 millimeter. 
I mean, it, it does. It did. They did. They did have the PTR, or the the petard like flying dustbin mortar, which like had like a huge, huge, um, huge caliber. But then that that just that just looks weird when you got like a huge caliber on top of a, a not so large ammo rack. You know, it looks it looks out of balance, out of whack a little bit. I mean, it's 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 more attractive than the kind of the chunky nastiness that is the Panzer four or the Panther Panzer five. Yeah, this is this is high quality tank autism. I mean, the Panzer IV here. is one of the the best tank waifus of all time ever designed. Um, just a high quality, reliable, dependable, attractive, well balanced and proportioned. You know, I mean, maybe not as good as the the Sherman M four A. Three E eight parentheses seventy six millimeter. Uh, yeah, it's called the Easy Eight. <laughs> yeah, her her parents weren't good at naming her. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from her dumb name, yeah, she's, she's so. reliable, stable. You know, easy to. Her problems are easy to fix. She's not going to start barfing all over the place on you. She's not going to break down. She's dependable. She'll go over any terrain, and she's a smooth ride. So, she cooked dinner. Uh, can a tank cook dinner? I don't know. Hey, cook it off the engine block. Probably sure. They used to they used to grill eggs off of um. They used to put their frying pans and grill eggs if they could get them in North Africa off the top of their tanks. Sometimes there are a couple of pictures that are happening. Yeah. All right. Well, did you uh, did you have any other kind of uh, salient talking points? Um, salient we didn't really talk, talk much about. Um, we didn't really talk much about uh, what, what do you call it? Uh, we didn't really talk much about role playing games this week. But um, yeah. which was kind of sad because our most popular episode by the metrics I have access to is the made RPG episode, which uh, which actually kind of well that episode brings up a lot of questions about me. It also brings up a lot of questions <laughs> about our audience as well. Um, hey, you know what? You know what? I think I think I think this I think this deserves further inquiry. I think I might get a bunch of normies together and. Uh, and see what and and see how this goes over. Well, I have an ongoing challenge to anyone I meet, like IRL. I mean, I can't say it because it's too specific, but basically, it boils down to if they can, if they can, there's certain requirements they can meet. If they do, I will run anything for them. This includes made, which I have run before <laughs> on a lost bet. And believe it or not, mechanically, made is not a bad game. <laughs> That's the most triggering thing about it, actually, is that, is that is that our greatest minds, right, make a game about about well, degenerate. Not our greatest minds. That was Japan's greatest minds. Oh yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, whatever. But but they make they make this great functional game out of out of degenerate maids. And, it's not degenerate. Uh, maids are wholesome. Oh right, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wholesome with a few quirks, right? They're very quirky. Wholesome. Uh, <laughs> quote. <laughs> but but you know we can't we can't get we can't get good you know uh, mechanics and uh, and balance around. I don't know. 
you know, Pathfinder Games Workshop or, or has ever made. Games Workshop, uh, you know, Wizards of the Coast. Like they're they're a massive company that you know supports child molesters, but you know, like like they can't they can't they can't actually get a good system out the door. I don't I don't understand how that works. I mean. Most of the problems with D20 just boil down to caster martial imbalance and a few other things. If you really want to, like, a balanced system, like, half a dozen other systems are pretty more, pretty much more well-balanced. I will still hold that Dark Heresy 1st Edition was probably as, as best you're going to get in terms of mechanics. In my opinion, is my favorite. That's my favorite system. And I think it's the best mechanically. <laughs> Yeah, my my personal favorite will always be Rogue Trader, uh, first edition Rogue Trader. It's a, it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit more. There, there's a lot more to uh, to you know roll for, and it's a little clunky. But I think that uh, I think that space pirates uh, running around, getting into all kinds of crazy shenanigans is really uh, is really a fun time. Yeah, I mean Rogue Trader probably a good game. I've never actually played it. I mean, I have the rules. I didn't like the rules very much. I've never actually played Rogue Trader though. Because uh, I'm always the one who runs it and I'm just like, I don't want to run Rogue Trader. I just don't. Well, I mean, it's 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 fun when you have the crap. Oh yeah, and for those of you crowd. those of you listening who are kind of familiar with 40k lore, um, we're talking about Rogue Traders and the the RPG, not the first edition of the Warhammer 40k uh, right. um, yeah. war game. We're talking about the RPG. The first edition of the RPG, not not the uh, first edition of Warhammer 40k. Right, right. Yeah, there was a, there was a set called Road Trader, which I don't. Uh, I've I never think, even seen it. Uh, well, it's it's more or less. Yeah, it's not. Um, well, maybe maybe we'll maybe we'll go into that at a later episode. Have you episode. seen the, uh, the the trailer for the new re-release of this Road Trader board game they're coming out with? I have uh, girl power. Wait, girl power? Did you not see that it? it was on YouTube? The, the 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 trailer. Did you not see it? I guess. I guess. I guess. Ha- I haven't seen it. All all I know is uh, all I know is the good doggo. There's a there's a doggo model that uh, that is yeah. Uh, that no, is it's um. I'll I'll send it to you so we can talk about it next week. But no, that's um. We're not talking about like uh, I, I I think you're talking about like a reveal, not like the actual like YouTube video trailer. Yeah, I guess I haven't seen it. No, that was uh, that was some. There's some uh, gamer girl stuff going on there. Oof, gamer girl. No, I mean Get I'm out, not saying that girl. like yeah, basically. No, I'm not saying that like you know, whammons playing games is necessarily a bad thing. I am going to say that, like... I will. (laughs) I am going to say that the women who generally play games are not the sort of people I would want to be involved with in an unintimate or very personal level, based on personal experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are always those, uh, those exceptions that prove the rule, so... Yeah, I mean, I played I played with a few, and they're few and far in between. But I mean, you know, they're not. Um, I guess you could say they're not. A, they're not a showstopper. You know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna roll up as a sweaty neckbeard and say no. You know, you can't play in my pretend adult pretend uh, session. 
No. I mean, I'm not going to say, like, okay. I The thing is, is that, like, women who play war games are just so rare, it's very difficult to say anything on the topic, in all honesty. I know, I know a few. <laughs> I mean, for 40k, sure, but, like, I'm not even sure there's a single woman who plays Flames of War. Like, I've never heard of it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, not 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 historical war games. Yeah, and the ones who play forty k play Tyranids because they're they're mindless, uh, you know, insectoids that go from planet to planet, consuming resources. So I thought they played Tyranids because they're cute. Well, (laughs) that that too, that too, and there are there are a breeder uh, Tyranids that you know that breed tyranids so so they they giggle and laugh as they you know yes i i i've always <laughs> i've always found the female fascination with tyranids always kind of baffling um i mean i knew a chick who played eldar one time but uh like as in like she her army was eldar and i at one time i knew her um but by and large, it's always Tyranids, uh, for the most part, which is kind of weird in my opinion. I don't even know what would a what would a chick play in Flames of War. Uh, I don't know. There's not a whole lot of Flames of War that's like there are only like three sculpts from Battlefront that are women, and two of them are civilians, and the other one's a nurse. Well, I mean, you could you could go to some sort of a some sort of animu, you know, miniature production and uh and get just a just a ton of uh like you know ton of female heads and put female head like well not huge huge eyed like anime female heads on all of your all of your models i mean i'm not saying i'm against that um but (laughs) i'm just saying that one 100 scale it'd be very difficult i mean if you want to make your like ak like anime k uh world war ii army with like animu waifus with like semi-automatic and bolt-action firearms. Dude, that sounds great. I want to know where I can buy one, but I don't know if that's going to be around. So, yeah. Have you, uh, have you seen the, um, they're also reviving the uh, Lord of the Rings war game. On oh, so, so I don't know if it's actually this is, this uh, is like a revival. This is like our last thing we're going to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't really. I, I've honestly not looked into it too much. I don't think it's a revival, though. I think they've always had it like in the background on their store because they have, because, but they like re-released it and they're actually kind of pushing the box set they came out with. Yeah, every once in a while, I'll look at. I'll just look at GW as like prep as like prep for the show or something, and I'll go to their site, and there's this like this like massive advert for, you know, these two little peasant models it's like what <laughs> why like like these are these are two citizens of hobbiton right like you know and they're and it's like flashy and all over the place well, that, that stuff's like, targeted towards people like my my roommate who are like really into the hobbit and all that stuff and uh-huh. like lord of the rings i mean like not gonna say it's bad because it's actually really good lord of the rings not the war game i've never played the war game i'm not gonna say anything about it I mean, I'm looking at this box set. It's $150 for Forge World, and I'm thinking, man. I mean, I'm nearing, uh, I'm nearing satisfaction with my Flames of War army. 
Uh, do I do I maybe want to um, get some orcs and a, and a Nazgul and like some Riders of Rohan? Maybe have myself a good time. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, they, they've got they've got dwarves on uh, rams. You know, like uh... yeah, but I'm looking at the box set. The box set looks cool. Oh. It's got ghost. It's got the ghost dudes. I've always wanted to paint the ghost dudes, man. The ghost dudes? Yeah, the, the ghost. The ghost warriors. Remember from the Lord of the Rings? Oh, like, yeah, oh, yeah, get yeah, the ghost yeah, dudes yeah. off the ghost ship. Right, yeah. It was the yeah. skulls because of that contract. Um, I think it was Aragon had with the ghost people because of his heritage or something like that. Right. Probably some, yeah. like, Freudian British stuff going on there. Um, <laughs> but, no, I mean, <laughs> I mean, looking at this stuff, the models are really cool. Like, the other thing I really like painting is I like painting horses, and I don't get an opportunity to paint them near as much as I'd like to. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I don't know. I, I've always been interested in this hill dwarves range because they've got like chariots pulled by rams. Oh, oh, that's that's from like the um, the Iron Hills dwarves. That's from the Hobbit. Yeah. Dang. Oh, okay. Is this yeah? Not... The, the the Hobbit is Lord of the Rings movies are entirely acceptable cinema. The Hobbit is uh, sanctioned. Oh dear, I, I'm I'm not I'm not fully uh, I'm not fully uh, red elfed on this. Uh... You need me to red maid you on it again? Uh, <laughs> the basically what it boils down to is the Hobbit is a wonderful book. Nobody's claiming yeah. it's not. However, our good friends who did the Hobbit movies butchered it. It was horrifyingly bad. Yeah, and they. Well, I mean, I think I think the. The issue there is taking liberties with it, right? Like you, uh, they, they had all sorts of crazy stuff going on in there. It was, yeah. It, it, I could see you splitting the Hobbit into two movies because there's like a point in the middle of the book where they enter the woods, or wherever. There's a point in the book where I think they come out of the woods. They enter. There's, there's some point in the Hobbit wherein the characters. There is a point in the middle wherein the characters have like a brief rest period or whatever. I forget off the top of my head. I have it's been a while since I've read The Hobbit. I've read it like twice. And I enjoyed it quite immensely both times. There's a point where you could naturally, if you're making movies, cut it in half and make like two movies and stick entirely to what's there because there's a lot that happens in The Hobbit. Also, the movies had horrible CGI and a lot of dumb action scenes that were just really dumb. Yeah, I've only seen the first Hobbit movie, but uh, yeah, I was I was surprised at the dumb CGI. It's like. You know, am I am I watching the same? Is this is this the same uh, same director and producer and everything? Like, what what's going on here? You know, I don't know. I just know it was dumb. Yeah, they they also have a ruined watchtower of Amundsen. I'm actually looking at that right yeah. now, and I'm looking at them going, "Wow, this is really cool." Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you know, terrain pieces are always great. For any any war games that you play, you can you can use them if in pretty much anything. If you want to buy anything. like a cool terrain piece, yeah, that's cool. If you have any pictures of cool terrain pieces, please send them to us. I'll feature them on my Twitter. I'd very much like to see that. I like looking uh, at cool terrain, especially if you made it yourself. It's if the best you made kind it of yourself. Terrain. It's extra cool. Yeah. Anyway, um, just kind of rounding things out. I mean that that's just about what we wanted to talk about this week. We had a big inter- interlude for talking about the Hobbit. War game, or the Lord of the Rings War Game Two, which you should probably consider heavily if you're considering getting into this, because that's just 
that's just straight up rad. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not played very often. It's a dang shame it isn't. Don't play the Hobbit game. Lord of the Rings game, 10 out of 10. Yeah, I... Uh, yeah, I've, I mean, like, I've seen the models around, and I think they're generally speaking beautiful. There's especially one, uh, the King of the Woodland Realm on Elk. It's basically just a just an elf riding a large elk, you know. Looks pretty cool. But yeah, no, the the models look great. Yeah, no, they they are really good. Um and they also have this funny little measuring set where all the tape measures or all the little stick measures are are little um weapons from <laughs> the the group of guys. So that's it's, it's funny. Kind of kind of neat little gimmick there. Um yeah. kind of the stupid thing you'd buy for $35 if you were kind of stupid or you thought the novelty was worth it which you know you could genuinely think that yeah if you're if if you're a huge fan of lord of the rings yeah no i mean and again this is like it's got all the stuff generally you could probably acquire it but nah, it's it's cool so again lord of the rings war game really cool best piece of terrain i own is actually a v1 flying bomb just touch on the uh, uh terrain uh so that's that's all i have to say about that um in terms of cool stuff do you have anything you want to say on your end jack about lord of the rings hobbit wargaming uh terrain rule sets forge world uh pretty much i'm uh i'm concerned we're all concerned about forge world what are you doing you know this is uh this is looking pretty grim as far as uh forge world goes I wasn't really I wasn't really red pilled on their tanks. Now I am. Now I'm looking through all the Forge World tanks, and uh, I'm noticing the uh, <laughs> the the shot armored traps, the shot traps, the the armored uh, um, treads on the back instead of the front. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm a, I, I think I'm a little bit more of a fan of, of steampunk than you are, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm glad I I'm glad I got this particular piece of information. But yeah, other than that, I'm uh I think I'm good. All right. So uh we'll um we'll see you guys later uh when we see you hopefully next week because we missed last week because I'm bad at scheduling and there were some other things that were going on with us. So uh hopefully you guys uh don't hate us for that and uh hopefully we can get in touch with us uh, i'm on twitter at, at at m underscore kikimura and you can hit us up there um you can find us hopefully soon enough on youtube and you can also find us on rightwingentertainmentsquads.com this uh this program has been produced in association with and produced by our good friends at Exodus Americanus, especially thanking our main producer over there, Roscoe Jones. I'd like to thank him for all of the material and emotional support he has given us, as well as his excellent shout-outs. His programs are very good, and while I feel like I should plug them, chances are, if you're listening to this, you're probably already listening to PSD40K, which you could probably just plug right into Google and find. Um, but anyway, that's uh, that's just about all there is on our end. And just to remember that uh, whenever you feel scared or frigton, uh, always remember happy day. So uh, that's uh, that's just it on our end. So you guys uh, stay safe and have fun, and uh, we'll hope to see you again soon. 
Bye-bye. See Thank you.